Welcome back to School of Calisthenics with Tim and Jacko. We have just finished Oof. a great session on the phone with Mr. James I Crosley. I was a little starstruck. James Crosley might not mean anything to you, but aka the ultimate gladiator hunter will certainly ring some uh, alarm bells, I'm sure. And as tempting as it was to literally spend 45 minutes talking about gladiators, yeah. which you probably could have I'm going to ring him up after this and just get out. <laughs> Some more questions for you, James. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jet. <laughs> <laughs> But um, we had, yeah, we had a great <laughs> conversation. Rings? He's uh, James is really he's over he's forty five now and he's 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 really sort of getting motivated and passionate about helping people in that stage of their life to continue to push goals, get fit, um, keep in shape, stay healthy. Um, so there's a load of, of content in here around what was it like to be in Gladiators and then also what he's doing now. And, and he's a really exciting guy that I think will, will give a lot of people a lot of inspiration to, to get into more of their training, push a little bit harder towards some goals or even start if you're on sort of day one of that journey. Yeah, I think just listening to the energy and passion that comes through when he's talking about this that will hopefully, certainly has rubbed off on me, will hopefully uh, rub off on you and energise you and motivate you to go out and do some training, whatever that may be, uh, but that is geared towards, he was very big on you having some goals and then being specific to you and it being what you enjoy doing, which I think is a great message to go away with. But um, we'll let him explain that more. And there's the a podcast. possibility in the future that we might get to do a handstand session oh, with yes. James. In Leotards. In Leotards. <laughs> like Gladiator Leotards. Best day ever. <laughs> so sit back, guys. This is James Crosley on the Playground Session with the School of Calisthenics. <laughs> Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics. Now, Tim, today's guest, you thought I got excited when Carpoli was on and I wet my pants. This is different level. So today we have uh, James Crossley, a.k.a. Uh, Hunter from Gladiator. Not just Hunter, the ultimate Gladiator. We didn't get any old Gladiator. We got the best. You go to the I've done top. well here, Dave. So we're well. just gonna, I'm just going to count him in. So, when you're ready, three, two, one, go! <laughs> so you, get the, you get the hairs on my back standing on it, not the ones on my head anymore, sadly. <laughs> hey, mate, welcome. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to come on to the podcast. No, thanks for inviting me. Um, I think if anyone that is listening um, that is our sort of era, you will have spent Saturday nights in front of telly um, watching Gladiators, and that's obviously not going to be the only thing I'm going to talk about, but just give us, for, for, the, for the one person that's sat now in Bangladesh listening to this and doesn't know um, who you are, just give them a bit of a background. It's like huge in Bangladesh. <laughs> well, sorry, I'm trying to be good. Basically, Gladiators, I think it started 1992. We ran for eight years. It was, um, you know, David versus Goliath combat show. We got members of the public auditioning to come and fight against us. And I think we peaked at about 18 and a half million viewers in about 1995. Unbelievable. So, yeah, Even British talent doesn't hit that, so, does it? No, it was the it was the it was the Baywatch um, blind dates and gladiators Saturday night, wasn't it? Oh yeah, good times. Good times. <laughs> but I think the thing is, then there wasn't so many channels, so we we, we could get more audience because nowadays there's so many different kind of uh, mediums to watch to watch television, isn't there? Yeah, it's yeah. funny to think there was actually probably Channel Five wasn't even out yeah. then, was it? Was it, was it was no, no, it wasn't. That was only four. Yeah, we used to get up to go and change the channel on the TV. <laughs> it wasn't because it was a good show; it's because nobody else had anything to do. <laughs> No, it was a good show. I loved it. I thought Gladiators for me, like growing up playing sport, I used to play rugby and I just watching you guys and just, uh, you know, very envious that you got to, because a big thing that we talk about is play. And um, 
to yeah. just it's one of those things where you look at the gladiators set and you're like just give me an afternoon in there just to go and mess about yeah. i want to go and do the pyramid i want to go and do like yeah. hang tough i wanted and... i always wanted to do it like from a from a rugby perspective the um the gauntlet yeah yeah gauntlet, yeah as yeah i mean it really was like a giant toy shop really when he walked yeah. in and obviously when he's got on telly it just, people think we were doing it every Saturday night but actually each show took four and a half hours to film mm. so we were there kind of we filmed the whole series in two and a half weeks so it was quite an intense period Crikey. wow and what was your like generally as, as gladiators you guys had kind of like specialist events that you got rolled out for what was your like well, you say when I first joined Gladiators, I was fresh off a bodybuilding stage. And, you know, people thought we got to rehearse every week. We only got two days rehearsals on 12 to 16 events, same as the contestants. So you had to do your homework wow. in your own time to get good at any of the events. So year one, I was just like this, you know, big kind of whale man who couldn't do anything. I remember <laughs> them trying to get me at the wall and I got halfway up and I tore these lycra pants I was wearing. <laughs> I couldn't get to the top and I just saw Cobra shoot up past me. And, um, yeah, I just couldn't do any of the events. And I remember the uh, the director come up to me, Nigel Lithgow, and he said, Hunter, you shit. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a motivational speaker if I've ever heard one. But to be honest, that was one of the, you know, it was his words in my head that made me then, that was all I needed to then come back next year. And I was a completely different beast. Yeah. yeah. So just let's go back like a step then. Um, yeah. So where did, where did training and fitness, like pre-gladiators, you said, of, um about bodybuilding like where did that all start for you i started lifting weights at 12 years old and i had a, an older brother who kind of bullied me i think i'm a, probably a psychotherapist's uh, dream you know with what <laughs> and so i started lifting weights because i hung around with him he was two years older and then my mum took me to see rocky one two and three in a six-hour bonanza at the cinema nice. we took sandwiches and a flask and after that I, I wanted to be a boxer and she said no and my dad did a bit of gym and she said well you can go to the gym with him and it, it just you know it just escalated into being a complete all-encompassing obsession really so I did my first bodybuilding show at 14 I was teenage Mr York at 14 wow. and then uh, I, I carried on throughout the various ranks and then I was spotted by the gladiators um, producers in junior Mr Britain in I think 1992 that's really interesting that um, you started so young on that, 14 years old. Yeah, I know we were talking about goals and, and what my goal was when I was 12, I wrote down I wanted to have the same arm measurement and be the same weight as my age. So <laughs> 13 stone, 13 inch arm. And I wanted to be Junior Mr. Universe at 19. And I, I kept all that and I actually qualified for Junior Mr. Universe before I got gladiators and that was that kind of that that, that long-term goal because now goals are so you know that then it was just something i'd written down at 13 that I, that was in my head all the time to to hit those measurements and hit that goal how did you find that transition from sort of bodybuilding into having to be a bit more athletic for to be a bit of an all-rounder really for for gladiators because we come across a lot of people yeah. who find that transition from weights into even calisthenics quite difficult it was a, a massive, massive change. All my training had to go back to the drawing board. And the thing about gladiators is the events are so specific. So we'd get people on who were climbers, but then they'd get rumbled on the power ball. Mm. Or you'd get people yeah. who were very good at running, but then they'd be rubbish at climbing. And what I did, I recreated each event in York somehow. So I had, um, I was pushing cars around a car park for the atmospheres. I joined a climbing wall. I was tying weights to my back and climbing up the wall without using my feet because it was speed climbing. Um, I was tying my feet together and boxing for jewels. So I found something for each event. Um, I was adding the hit training, the high intensity intervals to get my fitness levels up because 60 seconds all out doing maybe 15, 20 tackles is very taxing on the heart yeah. and lungs. 
And then I was also doing the strength training, but the bodybuilding and the strength training actually became like C down the list as opposed to A. And the event practice became A. And some of the gladiators, they were just more you know, interested in how they looked and they never got any better at any of the games. But if you wanted to progress, you had to put the homework in mm. to, to, you know, to be good at the game. So by the end of it, the climbing games I became very good at because obviously that was the, the thing what the producer had said all those years ago, how bad I was. So I became uh, the wall, the pendulum, the pole axe. In fact, um, yeah, most of the gladiators wouldn't even do the pole axe because it was actually quite a dangerous event. But um, yeah, they became the ones I was best at. Wow. Um, and so how did your, how did you, did you feel that or notice that like your physique and stuff, um, change with that change in training? Did you did you like Massive that change in training? Did yeah. you find it more interesting? Or and I tell you one thing that really uh, improved my um, athleticism was was yoga. I took up yoga um, when I was doing gladiators, and I was doing that twice a week. So I just found my you know I didn't do so much heavy weights for my legs, so my legs shrank, and I actually started to look a lot more like an athlete. And if you see through the years. Um, you can see my physique massively changing into more of almost like a, um, yeah, an athlete's physique rather than fresh off the bodybuilding stage. And, you know, for me, it wasn't about how I looked. It was more, I was just obsessed with winning, you know, this older brother syndrome. I have to be, I have to win, I have to win. And these were like, suddenly I had 12 older brothers and sisters. So it was, it was very competitive for me. And that, that for me was the main thing was, was just being as good as I could at each event. Was there a lot of competition between you guys on the team as well, between the gladiators in terms of who was getting picked for events and that sort of thing? It was funny how you got picked. So what would happen is, so let's say you two were the contestants, you'd flip a coin. Uh, John Anderson, sorry, would, uh, who was the referee, would flip yeah. a coin. And he'd say, right, you've got Wolf or you've got Hunter on the hang tough. And let's say you called heads, um, you would choose. And then the other guy would get, you know, okay. the other So if you had some good coin tosses, you could win the whole show. <laughs> 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 if you had a double-headed coin, you'd do pretty well. Yeah, heads I win, tells you lose. Yeah. So they had, this was how they decided it, but we didn't know what events we were going to go on. They just decided we'd wake up for breakfast in the morning. We were filming two shows a day and they'd, they'd have a list of, right, Hunter, you're on Pendulum, Shadow, you're on Jewel, Jet, you're on Hang Tough, you know, it would just say what you're on and then you just kind of went. And what they tended to do is in the earlier shows, they'd put you on events maybe you hadn't had so much practice on and then towards the semifinals and the finals, they'd, they'd want the specialists on the events that they seem to kind of really um, take to. Yeah. I remember reading once that, um, and it might not be true there, that, that John Anderson was actually like, the, the, he trained you guys, or was he involved in the training? Or was he, was John he just Anderson yes. quite a few Olympians, and yeah, he, one of his roles, he wasn't just kind of um, window dressing, if you like, he was he was involved in training on, on all the events as well. So actually, for my audition, um, I had to come down to London and do this series of fitness tests, and then they said, "Right, we want to see, we want to see if you've got good aggression." And um, and they just rolled John Anderson out with a helmet on and said, "Right, can you fight him on the jewel?" And <laughs> he was about seventy-five years old with his helmet on. And, you know, I'm being told basically I can have my dream job if I uh, pummel this guy. So yeah, I had to kind of un unleash the beast. It sounds like a lot of fun, but like the bit behind the scenes of all of that, um, it's interesting to hear. Because again, like I said, Jack is at the start. Like, like we used to sit there and watch it every week um and it was such a good tv program but how's training yeah, I, I was very different in the sense i was just thinking of behind the scenes you see someone like cobra was a bit of a joker and he'd laugh and joke with the contestants and he'd sit with them and personally i didn't even speak to them for, for nine years i had absolutely no contact because i feel and i've had a chat with you now we've got a bit of banter going i fight you on the duel if you'd never spoken to him you just see me pacing around like a caged tiger you know you create this whole different persona of who you're going yeah. against 
It was such a mind games part that I've been watching Shadow on Duel and being like, yeah, that yeah. guy looks terrifying. Like, yeah, yeah, but he yeah. won that before he, before he even got on the on the. Um, on yeah, the I mean, he was very intimidating. I mean, he was just you know he had these big wide eyes and he was <laughs> constantly sweating. So yes. <laughs> and so I'm just get, I'm, I'm getting a sense. You've, you've already sort of said and, and almost like your mindset towards how you were obsessed with bodybuilding. You just took that obsession of winning into... That's right. Absolutely, yeah. I just switched it over, yeah. And it was, it sounds like, although for someone like Cobra, it might have been a bit like there's a part of it that was a bit of fun, but I always sort of guess that behind the scenes that it was a bit of like this, that, the other, but what you're saying is actually it was like you guys took it like personally if they beat, like it, it was a sort of personal thing and you we, wanted yeah, to, to win we all wanted to win enough. everybody would be pretty down if they lost an event or something but the thing is with that show you had contestant friendly events and you had yeah. gladiator friendly events so if i'm going against you on the wall and you're you know a pretty yeah. decent timer and you've got 10 seconds head start you know and, and i did the best i could fair enough if you beat me then uh, you yeah. know I, I would get over that but if i slipped to something and i knew i could have caught you then i'd be yeah. very but something like the duel where it's you know physically yeah, it's like so, man on man yeah that's why, that's why that was kind of the most iconic event because it literally was the david and goliath you know man versus man or woman versus woman yeah yeah well as much as i would love to sit here and talk about gladiators for 45 minutes we should probably move on to <laughs> something <laughs> calisthenics related well just yeah. it, and how is training like so how's what did training changed to like when you stopped doing that or what's it been well, like when, since when then when I finished I, um, I retrained as an actor and I, I ended up touring theatre for about seven years and to be honest because I had no reason to be big or small and I had no goals it was what I call maintenance mode training and I would just go into the gym and just do whatever really and you know my body maintained but nothing changed I didn't didn't put on muscle I didn't lose fat I just kind of glided in this maintenance mode, mode for about seven or eight years did you experiment so, with any sort of different no, no, just uh, well, I did kickboxing and I lost a bit of weight and, and there's so many actors around and it just seemed I mean I was very lucky I managed to join the Peter Hall company which um and I did it as you like it which is a Shakespeare play and they actually asked me to put weight back on for that because I was playing this wrestler and they wanted me to be this huge kind of and it was um it was Dan Stevens who's now like a movie star he was it was his first play he was playing Orlando and they wanted me to tower over him and just look massive next to him so what what I actually found was me being bigger was was better for acting because there's so much competition that the fact that I was a bit bigger actually um got me jobs yeah so in terms of uh, we know for seeing a little bit of your stuff on social media James around um you've been playing around with some handstands that's kind of packaged up with a bit of a history of shoulder dislocations and um yeah. How, what what kind of led you into sort of playing around with handstands and well, where you're at yeah. now with it? The journey was, I, then, um, I started competing in strongman about nine years ago when I went from novice strongman. And again, that's when the goals came back into play and things started to change. And I really started to enjoy it. And then I hit 40. Um, and that can be a time in everybody's life where, you, you know, you need to really get some some goals going. And um, I, I decided I wanted to be, I wanted to get a world record and I wanted to be England's strongest master, which is over 40s. And the reason why I started yoga, I was going for, there's something called the Dinny Stones up in Scotland, which is a grip world record. And it's, it's, it's a very painful, it's like a, a hold work record. And I started yoga again for the breathing exercises mm-hmm. so I could kind of work through the pain of the grip. Um, and from there, I got into doing a bit of yoga with it, and that's how I got into doing the handstands and the balance work. It all kind of came hand in hand. Nice. And, and how's that? How did you find sort of trying to learn to handstand after a career of? 
different forms of training, bodybuilding into gladiators. You see, you probably didn't have any, from what you said, no sort of gymnastics no, I mean, or anything. What was interesting was because I, I try and do yoga. When I, I injured myself at the beginning of the year and I was doing yoga like four or five times a week and, 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 and handstands and balances. And I, I, I find my yoga, you know, my, my, what my limiting factor is, is my flexibility and my mobility. Mm, and obviously, yeah. I mean, you know yourself because I know you've had shoulder problems, but um, I, I, I just found I had the strength so I could hold a headstand or I could hold a pincher or something like that. But it'd be very hard for me to have my hands down and then bring my legs to my hands really close where you need that kind of more the flexibility and the, the mobility. So there's certain lifts I find quite simple and others I find really, really hard. But the handstands, um, again, it's just just working on them, isn't it? And grinding away and doing these progressions. And um, yeah, I mean, my handstand isn't great. I would, I would say my balances are pretty good, but it just became a new goal where the yoga got me into the, into the balancing. I found the, the, the balancing really rewarding. You know, I found a real buzz from actually learning new balances. So that, that's where that came from. I can imagine from what you said about your training background in the past and your personality, like we've all found that calisthenics and handstands is quite addictive. And especially if you're the sort of person who wants to go and achieve something, not being able to do it gets quite frustrating. And that's then the driver. I've got to nail this down. I want to learn how to do it. Um, but it's actually, it's, it's a really interesting one for me, handstanding and that sort of training is massively rewarding but in equal measure totally frustrating i think a handstand especially because what, what from what i found you know learning that like the crow into the crane the crane into the pincher the pincher into the funky pincher they all came quite quick but the handstand it was just like the, the everest you know and <laughs> it's, it's funny because i did a, a yoga strength and conditioning workshop last week and um I was talking about goals and smart goals and the importance of them. And 90% of them, all it was was hand. Everybody wants to do a handstand, don't they? It's just like, it's such a popular thing at the moment. And, you know, I was just saying, well, how long have you been trying for? And most of them been trying for, 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 you know, maybe six months, a year. And because they haven't real nailed that, nailed down the training program, the goal to make it actually happen. And I think that's the thing is you go once a week to a handstand class and you just kind of kick up to the wall and then you do a few handstand press-ups on the wall. And But it's not enough. You've got to make it your kind of, you know, your passion and really embrace it and say, right, I, I want to do it by Christmas. This is how I'm going to get there three days a week and boom, go for it. It's got to be, because it's not an easy thing to do. It's like playing an instrument. You're not just going to master it in a in a couple of weeks yeah for sure and how have your shoulders handled sort of being upside down having to stabilize in different positions do you have any problems with dislocations now have you had surgeries in the past what's it what's um, been that story I, well i dislocated it last um uh, about 15 years ago and that was the sixth dislocation and to be honest I, i've not had any i know I'd, I'd, I'd keyhole twice keyhole surgery i didn't have open surgery but I, it doesn't actually hurt during the handstands um it just i just feel you know when you look at your line because i've looked at your I've, i actually got your handstand guide which is very useful and it was saying what's your limiting factor is it your strength is it this and i think you know, looking at the line, mine is definitely um, my my um, my my arms don't go directly above my head, or they don't as as much as they could. Yeah. And it's very interesting how the fingers are like your brakes and and, and and adjusting that. But, you know, it's like some days they go really well, other days they're, they're, they're a bit more tricky. But um, it's about, you know, pers- never give up. That's what Bear Grylls always says. Never give up. Never give up. You've got to keep going. And that's the, that's the evolution almost of, or the part of the learning process, like to learn a new skill yeah there's a period where you can do it but then you can't do it and you can sort of do it and the consistency is what almost like defines mastery of a skill that when you can you know you can do it 99 times out of 100 or 100 times 10 out of 10 um but, and i think um, that, that's that's just part of the the learning process and part of the continual practice because when you teach handstands you you want to go from a, a 
a crow to a push-up handstand, don't you, rather than a kick-up? Yeah, we, we kind of started that way, partly because um, we always wanted to be able to do a handstand push-up. So we so thought that was cool. We thought that was cool, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. And also, what we've kind of found is um, not... So you can learn in a kick-up, and you can, you'll can you get to a point where you can get to a handstand. And our beginner's handstand guy is more orientated towards like, the fastest route to be able to get towards a handstand. But in calisthenics, we kind of also think there's value in... When you learn to handstand, start developing some strength along the way, which you're actually then going to be able to use later down the line. So if you want to do freestanding handstand push-ups, it's going to be beneficial if you learn to handstand from a from a crow and then and press out into a into handstand. But I think it's horses for courses. It's up to people. We, when people ask us, we go, well, it depends on what you want. Like you, it's going to take much longer for you to do the the, um, the press to ha- or the the crow yeah, to handstand. Much much after that. Yeah. Interesting that you mentioned because I had the same thing when I first started. I actually started learning. One of the reasons was because I'd um, I'd had a lot of shoulder dislocations. I've had surgeries and I had no confidence in my shoulders. So I thought if I can learn to handstand, I mean I can actually be fairly confident I've got some stability in my in my shoulders. And I was probably not quite as big as you, but um, <laughs> I, I had the strength to I mean, be able was to. Your nickname Tiny Tim. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but I had the strength to be able to, to press through the, through the range of movement. I could do handstand push-ups against the wall because I've done a lot of military press over the years and shoulder-type work. But what I completely lacked was the range of movement to get straight and then like stability in those like, overhead positions. And that's one thing I think is really beautiful about the handstand is if you're strong, you've still got something to work on. If you've got really good range of movement, like if you've done a lot, a lot of yoga, they get the, the line quite well. They do really well the movement side, but then they have to come and do the strength. So either way, wherever you start, you've got something which is actually going to be a little bit of kryptonite mm. to start off with. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, Everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses, isn't it? It's just then trying to even it out for something like that. Having one superpower isn't enough, is it? You've got to have them all mixed together. Yeah, and then do that's handstand push-ups like, and you instantly come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why the handstand's so much harder because some of the others you can you can, you can can get away with it if you've got the mobility or the flexibility or the strengths, but the handstand is quite like a combination of everything, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so really complete. Um, so let's talk about what what training's like for you now, James. You obviously um, you've got your website now, Fit at Forty Plus. Um, yeah. You've done a lot of work on that, and obviously you've got some a real kind of conversation happening around that. And I think it's a massively interesting and useful part of um, of the fitness space. I mean, and I saw that you mentioned on your site about it's obviously very fashionable for twenty somethings to be in shape, but yeah. what happens to sort of people when they get to that late? Well, I'll say later, but like forty um, years old. And I'm quite interested. I used to play rugby, and I sometimes see the guys we catch up with, that I play with at the university, and um, they've all gone through that kind of career family um, phase of their yeah. lives. And it's probably fair to say they haven't come out of that in great physical condition. Uh, um, yeah. And what your message is now is around actually sort of supporting people like to, to get motivated, set goals, and, and do something. So just tell us a little bit around that because I think it's a really interesting area. Um, well, I think what I was noticing is that it's, you, you've got, you know, got all these people like Joe Wicks who are great role models for the younger generation. But as you get older, you actually have to train slightly differently. Your, your posture starts to go. You get a tight chest, weak muscles in the traps and the upper back. Your core gets weaker. And we're certainly in a, in a kind of society now where it's people are hunched over the computer all day. They get back pain. They get tight hip flexors. And then they start to lose muscle as well. Um, and I think people just aren't as active as they used to be. People get families, as you said, their, their diet starts to go a bit. You know, I go to my brother's house. who has got a couple of kids. His fridge is just full of, you know, everything. And so <laughs> people just let themselves go a little bit. So what I was trying to do was hit that demographic and say, look, 
um, if we can do this fitness, if we can just keep an eye on the diet, it shouldn't be monk man living, but you have to put a few good habits in place, instill them in there, and then they will help you. It's not just about being um, how you look. It's about living longer and being pain free. You know, there's there's so many things. Just tying your own shoelace, some people find really difficult as they get as, as they age. I put this uh, video together, Fit at 40 Plus, which you can get on Amazon. It's full body workouts that are there to hit the core, hit the posture, torch calories. And it's just 40 minute workouts that you can do two or three times a week at home. So that's what we were looking for. And, I, you know, a lot of the people that I'm involved with, with coaching, I'm working um, with British Military Fitness at the moment. I'm one of their advisors because I, I trained with Bear, who I mentioned earlier, because mm. that's his quote. I trained him 15 years ago. And and it's, it's a case of he's now 40, you know, in his early 40s as well. And he just does full body workouts. He's doing all the, the body weight stuff. And that's what's working really well. Just being consistent. Consistency is definitely the key. Yeah, I think it's, um, we've got quite a lot of our um, audience are in a similar sort of age. I mean, I'm 36, Tim's 37, and you know we get people coming on workshops that are 40 plus, 50 plus. Our oldest um, student is 70 um, years old. So there, there's a lot of people out there that are um, engaged in this, but sometimes people are sort of looking onwards and, and looking at this stuff and thinking, well, you know, am I too old to start this? We often get questions like that. Um, just to give some context, like how, what was your, um, you're not, you're still not, a, you know, you was a, a big guy when you were bodybuilding and in gladiators and you're still like, you know, I weigh about 84 kilos. Tim's about 74. Four. Like what's, what's, what sort of, what's like the age weight situation now and how, just to give some context to people of like you're trying, you know, you're doing yoga, you're trying handstands, you're doing stuff that's different. Um, what, where are you at at the moment? Are those... I'm 45. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I normally hover about 110 kilos. Yeah. So, so when I, I injured myself at the beginning of the year and I dropped down to about 103. So I'm probably without weights. I'm, I'm probably my, my body wants to be 100 kilos, but when I pack on the muscle, which is my kind of standard body, if you like, I'm probably about 110. Yeah. But so even 100 kilos is like a pretty big dude, and I think a lot of people we have questions about like, and how tall are you? I'm six three. Yeah, we have questions from people that are a similar height, similar weight, or even or even not as heavy and not as tall. Going, you know, oh, do you think I could learn to do a handstand? And just this concept that we talk about of redefining your impossible. Um, that these... I think what's um, what's really important, and, and and we spoke about this earlier, is you, you get to a certain age and you've done your school exams, you've learned to drive, you've maybe done your, um, you, you've gone to university or you've done some, and then you think, right, I don't need to learn anymore, and and you almost that that side of you switches off, and if you try to learn a language when you're in your thirties or forties, it's so much harder than when you're a kid, and people just kind of throw it away and put it down. There's something like two million guitars just sat in people's brooms, broom cupboards because people. People play for three or four weeks, their fingers start to bleed, and then they give it up. And the thing is, you absolutely you can just keep learning and keep learning, keep learning. You've just got to retrain your brain to say, right, I want to do this, and it's got to be high stakes. This is what, what what's really important when I talk about girls. It's got to be something that hits you in your heart, and you think, yeah, I really want to do that. Mm. I wanted a world record, and I gave that a hundred and ten percent. I couldn't have done anything more to do that, you know. And I did basically the impossible. And the only reason why I did it was because I made it my goal. I made it my absolute 
complete and every thought. I woke up thinking about it. I went to bed thinking about it. I spent my whole day working towards it. Now, that's the extreme. That's the kind of 10 on the scale. Now, if you can hit a five on there, of course you can do a handstand. Of course you can um, do the crow. Of course you can do pincher and headstands and, you know, get on the rings and go upside down. It's just a case of making that decision and the mind, that's the key. Get your mind in the game and your body will follow. Yeah, I think that's always the, that's always like the first step in... Um, you've talked a lot about goals and making changes. Like if you, if the first step has got to, you've got to sort of believe, believe in the impossible almost before we can start redefining it. And then the trouble is we're in a, we're in a day and age where it's too easy to, to make excuse. I don't want to go yeah. to the gym. There's X factor on. Um, I don't want to eat that. There's a, something else here. I, it, it's too cold to go. And it, it's a case of, you need to go back to that. You know, there's, there's an old saying that you, you, a boxer once said, and he, he, he lost the world title and he said, it's very hard to get up at 5am when you're, you know, sleeping in silk pajamas. Yeah. Got to have that. And it goes back to the Rocky Balboa, doesn't it? The eye of the tiger and, and really kind of having a reason to do something. And that's what you've got to tap into. You've got to find that, that heart of a lion within you and, 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 and bring it out. And then, you know, all these things, you can, you can absolutely achieve them if you want. I but think if got, people are... If, do that switch. Yeah, and if people are, are sat there right now and they're curious about um, starting with some sort of training, whether it's calisthenics or not, whether it's hand or not, but they're curious about it, there's obviously there's something there that's making you curious and it's trying to almost, you're saying, to let's encourage people to explore that in, in any what way it is. And just, you know, one of the things I always think is most important is like, just get started. Like, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit of the diet. You were saying, you know, you don't have to live like a monk necessarily, but if no, you, you make a, if you make one positive change compared to what you were doing before, like, then that's going to have an impact. And if you want there to be bigger impacts, then you need to make gradually more and more changes. I think the problem is for kids, if kids, it's been proved with twins, this twins are identical. If one skips breakfast and the other doesn't, the one that skips breakfast is 50% more likely to be overweight. Just little things like that. Make mm. sure you eat breakfast. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's just, it doesn't have to be these monk-like things that you implement in your life. It just has to be the basics that you do 75% of the time. That, that's the thing is, is having that knowledge. And I think what's really important, especially for people that are maybe a bit older, who may be a bit nervous about doing a handstand or doing yeah. some body weight stuff and think they might look like an idiot or is accountability. Find a friend to go with, find a class to join because going there on your own can be quite daunting. And then you've got that accountability, right? I'm going to meet Tony every Tuesday and Thursday at seven o'clock. And this is what we're going to do. And that's a really important way of getting you started because once you start getting in that routine and that habit gets formed, that's when you're going to start to see results. Yeah. Yeah. Tony is going to be a badass. (laughs) I think one, um, one thing I'd just like to pick up on there is say, um, feeling like you might try you know say someone's wanting to they want to do a headstand or they want they want to do something but it requires them to do something a little bit outside of the norm um in the sort of gym environment and um and feeling a bit um self-conscious potentially about it like we might feel about self-conscious about just going in the gym in general if you have to like a lot of this stuff you can actually do at home but i i think there's something really positive about um for our own self image and our own like self-value that we get Get, do something that makes you feel uncomfortable to just actually get over that. Like when we first, first time we started doing calisthenics, I did a, I mean, you, you, a, a crow stand or frog stand as we would call it um, with, with Tim in the gym. No one else in our gym was doing it about five years ago and I fell flat on my face and we just were rubbish like when we started. We had no idea what we were doing um, and people actually did laugh at us. But it, and, in, and that isn't, yeah. like, it isn't nice, but at the same time, there's a bit of like, once you get over that, you're like, oh, actually, 
what's the worst that can happen in terms of someone thinking I look a bit stupid in the gym? I'm actually now enjoying what I'm doing and trying to work on this thing that, like you talked about, like is a goal, is motivating. It's not just the case of, oh, I'm going to go to the gym for, and almost can't really finish that sentence, just to look better or to lose weight rather than having something much more tangible, much more motivating. I'm going to the gym because by Christmas, I want to do a handstand and hold it for 10 seconds. It's got to be a bit more definite than I want to look good on a Saturday night. And that's the thing is these goals have to be definite, defined things that that you're aiming for. And um, that's the secret really to, it's not just goals in fitness that you can take that into business. You can take that into relationships, you know, can help you through your whole life really. I mean, you look at someone like Schwarzenegger and people, you know, you might love him or hate him, but that, that is the ultimate goal setter, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. James, one thing I wanted to ask, you mentioned before about your, the program um, is, is designed so people can do it at home. I've got um, yeah. I've got a little boy, so I actually started training a lot more at home, and it's not easy. Um, I've got like I've been in training for a long time. I've got set goals that I'm working towards. It's part of my life, so I train because I love it. But sometimes in the evening at seven thirty, when everyone's in well, Jack's in bed, and then I've got to try and do a session by myself, and it's not it's an ugly session. Like it's not easy fun work. I've got to get a bit of graft done. Have you got any tips for people that haven't necessarily got a gym to go to or, or want to train at home to actually make sure they don't just end up on the sofa kind of flicking through TV yeah. or, or reading a magazine? Well, first of all, what's the best workout in the world? And the best workout in the world is the one that you'll stick to. And that means it's got to be something you enjoy. So, you know, I could write you down the best weights workout in the world. And if you hate weights, you simply won't do it. So I had a guy, there's just a quick little story. And I trained him and his wife for their wedding and they lost between them four stone and they were unrecognizable. They looked amazing, but he was just like a sloth the way he just sat down and he was just, you know, at each workout, it was like a diplodocus. I was just like <laughs> pulling my hair out, but you know, and anyway, she had a baby and they came back to me and I started training him and I actually sacked them. I said, look, I can't train you like this now. I just, look, what, what do you enjoy? And to cut a long story short, he enjoyed fencing. He decided he wanted to be enjoy fencing. He lost two stone again just from going fencing. So my point is, first of all, you've got to find that, that niche thing that you will actually do. And if you find that, that's half the battle. And then if you're only at home and you can find a way of doing that at home, whether it be following a, a DVD, whether it be following a video on YouTube, then you're more likely to do it because it's something you actually enjoy. Whereas, you know, it could be running. It could be, it might be not be the most efficient form of exercise for weightless or the most efficient form of exercise for muscle building. But the point is, it's the most efficient that you will stick to. And that's how you'll get the best results. Yeah, I totally agree. The other thing you mentioned there about um, is just maybe think about community as well, of being like people following along. A big thing for us um, is around the, the community that we have in our, um, that we're fortunate to have in our sort of people that engage with us. And it, you see the power of that, of having people around you that are doing the same thing. So they don't, they don't oh, live yeah. in the same place, they don't train in the same gym, but there's a connection, whether that be social media or WhatsApp or whatever. But when they get together, it's something really mm-hmm. special, which we are so like, grateful for because there are there's some amazing people that uh, we're fortunate enough to spend time with but having those people around you is a, a big thing and you need those i've read a couple of bear Grylls books and there's one where yeah. he sort of says um be the most enthusiastic person in the room and don't listen to the naysayers and i think those are two really good life lessons yeah well that's his dad he drummed that his dad drummed that into him as a child you know and he, he always says that you know he's, bear always says he was never the fastest he was never the smartest he was never the strongest but he was always the hardest worker and that's that's how he's done so well you know just hard work hard work pays off simple as that yeah yeah that's great hey, maybe i think one, one thing is just to kind of reiterate your message that you're putting out i had a really sort of chance encounter with the guy on a, fo- on, on a train a few uh, months ago and we started talking about his training and he was in that side, kind of same cycle we talked about over 40 
a bit beaten up by life and work and um, yes. body falling apart on him, hurt his, his knee during a skiing accident. And he was uh, talking about what, what we were, what we do at Calisthenics. And I talked about going back to the basics of human movement and just sort of like training your body in a way which is going to give you longevity, which is something you touched on before. And he yes. said, you go, he says, it's really interesting. He says, um, people don't at all complain about putting money away in a, in a financial pension, but no one wants to invest in a physical pension. And that's like one of the most profound things I think I've heard around actually thinking so many people when they're in their heyday of like lifting weights, they don't really think about what body this, their body's going to be like at 65, 70, but that you, we need to realistically start to think about that because that's going to be a long period of our life where we're going to still want to be active and still move and play with our kids or their kids or, or whatever. Yeah, I think everybody has just different priorities financially. Some want to buy nice clothes, some want to spend it on holidays. You know, it's just a case of well, we're all such different personalities, all such different people. But the thing is, the one thing that everybody on their deathbed, you know, look at someone like Steve Jobs, they all say it. The one thing that money can't buy is health. And that's the thing that you've got to look after the most, because once that goes, it's game over. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Definitely. What do you think for you then, like what's when you're 60, 70, 80, like what would... Probably be hunched over a computer. Not... <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you'll still have a tan. Let me throw off, see if yeah. you've got a good tan. I think what will probably happen, you know, I'm, I'm still enjoying the kind of strength-based training at the moment. I had about a five-month break just because I was burnt out and slightly injured more than anything else. But I'll probably move towards more the, the yoga, more the calisthenics, more that, and, and more the lighter weights thing. I think I'll always, you know, I love the feeling of just feeling like I've exercised and yeah. those endorphins of, of feeling fit. And I like to get up and every day I like to say, right, I'm going to do this, this and this today. It's just how I've, because I've, obviously it's been drummed into me and it's been like my suit of armor, if you like, since I was 12. So for me, it's, it's, it's very hard not to train. Um, but I think I'll definitely morph into uh, a more mobility, and I'm getting trying to get more into mindfulness because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a bit like a thunderous person, as you can tell, because I can't stop talking, um, and I need to calm down a little bit. So the thing is, as you get older, you can't attack quite as much as you did in the gym. I need to be a bit more mindful, and that's one of the things I do in my video is everything's a bit slower, the tempo's a bit slower, the form's very, very good, and just because when people get older and their joints are starting to hurt, they can't be as aggressive in the gym as they were when they were younger. They need to be more more clever a clever workouts what they're looking for rather than a thunderous one yeah but it can feel your um your your passion your energy like you can literally feel it coming through like in your in your voice and it's um i, I love that like it's in it's infection you can see that's um not just your own fitness but actually like helping other people with their fitness journeys is um i guess uh, just a bit of a testament to yourself and something that you can you can yeah, feel by just talking to I you. find it's really important when, when I, you know, I take on a, a handful of training clients, but it really is small, but they have to give me a hundred percent because there's nothing more frustrating than being somebody's counselor when you're in the gym and they're just walking around, they're chatting and, you know, they're not really up for it. And for me, if you're going to train, you know, if you're going to chat and want to have a bit of fun, go to the pub. Yeah. But if you want to train and get results, you've actually got to put the work in it. Just because you spend an hour in the gym doesn't mean you're going to get results. It's what you do in that hour. That's what matters. And, you know, if you actually go there and, and put the work in, you don't have to train for that long. You don't have to do these kind of two, three hour workouts that they used to promote in the Schwarzenegger days. You can do so much in 40 minutes. It what, really... was the, what was the quote from um, that guy? like, if you're spending more than a certain amount of time in the gym, you're just there to make friends. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, it's quite a famous quote. Yeah. So I think just, Pol I think Poliquin said Poli 50, yes, yeah, it was Poliquin. Fifty three minutes, I think he he reckoned, and then you <laughs> the machine reset. Yeah. I don't know how he got to that, but I yeah, did was... fifty four today. Damn it! <laughs> you and me, how many friends you made? Right, I hope you made a friend in that minute. <laughs> 
one thing we were just um, we like to talk about James as well is around um, what what's the impossible that you're working on so about this whole redefining impossible idea is there something yeah. which you've kind of got in your mind and I know you, you're you're the sort of person that probably believes that anything is possible but is there anything which kind of you look at and go do you know what that's going to be a stretch that's going to be a, a little bit yeah, of a push you know it's funny you should say that because I the last two years I um, uh, I have tried to qualify for the world's strongest master and uh, I came third uh, sorry fourth in the UK's strongest master two years ago and the top three qualified for the world's last year I went for it and that's when I tore my bicep and my knee um, and this was an absolute I mean it's a massive stretch but um, you see I, and I don't know whether I physically I can do it now because I've had a few injuries but I'd love to qualify for the world's strongest master because I'd be going against the viscous you know he's now doing it and it, oh, that, that's really amazing last three years that's been the target and I got so close two years ago but I think anyway yeah it's so are you going to go back to training four are you going to be training four um, I think I could do, I mean, yeah, funny enough, I just got invited yesterday to do um, England's Strongest Master, which is in April, and then then it would be UK's in May, and then the world's at the end. You know, I'd have to see, I've got quite a bad knee injury, and I tore my bicep, so if they're not right, then no, because I went in it last year with a torn bicep, and it got even worse, so um, that that's kind of my um, Everest, if you like, that's something that's You're always... On, that's something on the limit, isn't it? You go into there with something which is oh, not quite right, yes. like it's going gonna, it's gonna to crop up. It'd be a great way just to, to, to meet him, though, wouldn't it? I mean, I've met him once before, but just to go and shake his hand and hold his bag, if nothing else. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe he can be his water boy. Yeah, or massage, anything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Because I mean, he would be trounced me so much. But it, what, what an amazing experience. So that would be the thing, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, I look at those guys and they're like just the, the physical specimens of, of oh, yeah. what they were doing is just unbelievable. I'm, well, they're different beasts, aren't they? I'm 110 and these guys are 180, between 180. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're so different beasts. But, um, you know, you never know these things. You get the right event on the right day if you go against anything can happen and that's what I found in Strongman anything can happen because you can get somebody that wins four events and then he might come 13th in one and all of a sudden he's dropped from first to fourth and Mm -hmm. that's what often happens it's about consistency like we've been talking about throughout this consistency Mm -hmm. consistency and that's how you kind of do well yeah. Well, I'm looking back at my decision as a sort of scrawny 65 kilo, 17 year old, not auditioning for gladiators. When I hear that you're 110 kilos and six foot three, I would have got absolutely hammered. Well, you see, there'd be so, yeah, but stuff like hand tough, stuff like the wall, you, you do, oh, especially yeah. what you do now, you know. Yeah, you, I love this. Uh, and the thing is, you were doing there, was no, there, was, there wasn't really any, you know, calisthenics, CrossFit. None of that really existed then. We were kind of the, the show that kind of brought all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, imagine what the contestants would be like in it now. I mean, there's some freaks out there. Oh, it'd be insane, wouldn't it? Actually, yeah. if you go yeah. back and look at, I remember if you go back and look, look at old video of, of gladiators, people don't even really look like they in training in comparison to what people look like today. Like you say, you go to your average CrossFit box and the physiques yeah. are. Yeah, entirely different. Apart from Wesley Two Scoops, do you remember him? <laughs> well, I mean, I remember going in Birmingham, going for lunch with Wesley, and uh, he yes. said, he just said to me, he was walking across the square, and he said, "Oh, um, I'm going to jump over that car." <laughs> What? <laughs> we just like going for a walk in the centre of Birmingham. I said, oh, go on then. He just like, jumped over this Vauxhall Astra and then he just walked <laughs> off and he was just like never seen anything like it. I mean, he was just a freak. So, so, so athletic. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things. If you can, it's like if you can jump over a car, you do it. If you can do a human flag somewhere and you see a pole, you do it. Like, yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah. well, you see, I'm one of these that has to warm up for 20 minutes before I even tie my shoelace. So, I mean, I jumped over a car walking out the hotel is pretty impressive. Well, we yeah. talk about impossibles. Maybe you should add that one to your list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe jump over a car and a handstand for 30 seconds. There you are. There's and then three. tie your shoelace. A micro machine. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> mate thanks so much for your time today it's yeah. been great to chat through some stuff and again really inspiring of just um somebody who's been through a, a long training history still got a foot on the gas still really um, ambitious and excited about what happens and in, in at 45 years old have just still got as much fire in your belly as you've got for for your um physical fitness and training and the things that you want to achieve so thanks for you thanks and for guys I hopefully um we i can come and see you when we can we can get this handstand nailed yeah yes, i'm thinking definitely. two hours of you and i should be there yeah, yeah. We, we'll definitely put a uh, a session yeah, in the diary photography, yeah i'm sure one session one <laughs> session with tim head of handstands here we have you absolutely sorted maybe yeah. if anyone's and if people um we'll put in the show notes some links to um your the, the dvd that you mentioned we'll put the yeah. fit at 40 you can follow me on instagram mr website. james crossley you can see everything i'm getting up to and my uh, handstand attempts and training tips and stuff on there that'd be great yes it was interesting what hunter looks like he's still flipping shredders <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and if you want yeah if, you, if you're interested in what like you get the, the old throwback thursdays when you get to see what the leotards look like that's always <laughs> yeah, still got that still got the leotard <laughs> you definitely need to wear that for the handstand lesson <laughs> yes you've got, you've got, you must have a couple of spares we yeah, can bring it for me might be a bit baggy that'll up the uh, that'll up the viewers won't it yeah, yeah three, okay. yeah. <laughs> do it for the likes <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks james so this has been the school of calisthenics playground session with james crossley until next time thank you guys class dismissed we hope that you've enjoyed this week's playground session from the school of calisthenics uh, i certainly did tim i thought that was an absolute crackerjack um, so if you also did or even if you didn't like it but you just like us we'd massively appreciate and you like the podcast we'd massively appreciate um, a five star rating on uh, iTunes or whatever platform that you listen to the podcast on um, it makes us feel good about ourselves but it also helps um, promote the podcast and make more people aware of it so they can enjoy it too so all the best this week with your training guys get out there and redefine your impossible we'll catch up soon until next week Class dismissed. <laughs>